Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 793, closing in on 800, really exciting. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at rabbiismach at take10fortorah.org. So this past week's parasha, Parashas Bereshas, we never spend enough time on because we always run straight into Bereshas from Sukkot, has so many important themes that I think are fundamental, foundational for all of the Torah. One of them, of course, is the idea of gratitude. And so I'd like to share a little bit about the idea of gratitude as taken from Parshas Bereshas specifically. And so in the Torah it describes how Ela told us Shemayim Ba'aretz. This is the uh, the generations of heaven and the earth, the early moments of creation. And it describes how V'chal Siyach HaSadeh Terem Yevaretz V'chal Esav HaSadeh Terem Yitzmach that there was a time before any of the grasses or any of these things were, were had grown, any vegetation had sprouted yet. Because there had not been rain uh, brought down on the Aretz, and there was not man to work the land. Now, of those two things, no rain and no man, obviously the no rain is going to be more critical. You could have all the men tilling and all the men working and all the men doing everything they're supposed to be doing, but without any rain, no dice, nothing's going to be happening. So what is the what is the meaning of this idea that first there's no rain and there's no man? Why is that mentioned? So Rashi tells us. Rashi says, tam lo himter, that the very reason that it did not rain was because Lafisha Adam in Adama. There was no body there to work the land. Therefore, what? He says, There was nobody to appreciate the generosity, the greatness, the usefulness, the utility of rain. And therefore, finally, when there was a man who understood that that is all that we are missing, and with rain, there could be the sprouting of vegetation, uh, it was necessary for the world, he prayed for them, appreciated them, and then finally, and the trees and the herbs sprouted. Beautiful idea. And that's exactly how that Pasuk is followed. And then, you know, everything gets planted, everything starts to work. And so Rashi is laying down what I think is a really core and significant principle. The only reason to have things is so that there is a being that could appreciate those things, which means until rain, until man, I should say, until man is created, there is no point in the rain because the rain is only there for man to appreciate. That's a pretty wonderful idea, right? Everything is here to be appreciated, not for the sake of like God, so to, to flatter God, to make God feel good, but the existence of everything is really here so that we can appreciate those things. Okay, so we of course focus on this in the bracha of modem in our Shemona Esrei, uh, three times a day we talk modem, 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 we, we say thank you to Hashem, we refer to uh, the Nisim, which are Erev Avokav Itzaharayim, all of the miracles that we deal with, we experience in the evening, in the morning, and that night, all of this is expressed in modem, a very, very important, significant part of tefillah, I hope to share more ideas on this in the coming weeks, but I want to share one more really important connection to modem from Parshas Bereshis. In Parshas Bereshis, or I should say, in Gemara and Brachos, we'll start there, it talks about how standing is the modality for tefillah, right? How do we know this? We learn this from Avraham, where Avraham is described as Vayamod, he stood, and we learn from there that standing 
is how we do davening. Amida is literally what we call the davening. So that standing idea is what we do when we pray. Why is standing such an important thing? So there's a Maharal, the Maharal explains in Pirkei Avos, that there's a fundamental uh, idea being expressed here, that human beings are capable of standing. Other animals are on all fours. And that's because other animals, you know, they have something above them. Humanity. Humanity is above other animals. Humanity general generally controls, I guess, thankfully, controls the animal kingdom. So they are sort of uh, subsumed. They are subjugated under man, and therefore they are bowed over. Man, man has nothing above him when it comes to living in this world. Just looking around at the world, we are standing up straight, except for moments in which we acknowledge and recognize God's involvement and power in our lives. When that happens, when that happens, we bow and we we sort of express this yoke that is upon us, that we also have something above us. We don't walk around doing that all day. We only do that specifically by particularly integral moments of prayer or moments of reflection. It's pretty rare. It's not something that we would naturally do. Literally, not something that we would naturally do. But it's something we impose upon ourselves in the proper context. And so when do we bow? We bow, of course, at the first brachos, the first blessings of the Shemona Esra, of the Amida, of the standing, right? And we also bow at Modem. And that's to signify the importance, the significance of that gratitude, how we, we bow, we bend, we feel like this, this, this crush above us when we think of all of the gratitude we're supposed to have. So listen to the following Gemara with that background. The Gemara says in Baba Kama, that the spine of a person, after seven years of burial, being buried, turns into a nachash, a snake. All right, interesting. But the Gemara then qualifies, but that's only if they didn't bow by modem. Okay, so what's the connection over here? What are we talking about with the snake and the bowing? What's going on over here? So really, if we think about the snake in Parshas Bereshus, the snake plays a very interesting role. The, of course, uh, man eats the fruit, Adam eats the fruit, blames Chava, Chava blames the snake. It really is the snake, of course, the wisest of all animals, as it's described then, that is the cause of that entire episode, the cause of the problem. Okay? So now, that snake is, is, uh, is blamed for having brought upon all of the disaster of the expulsion from the Garden of Eden, and the snake is actually implying something much, much more significant. Because that snake was so gifted, and as is described as being the wisest, that snake, as we have in the Midrash tells us, or really the Psukim themselves describe, it used to be, it used to stand. Then it lost its legs and then it went to the ground. It was completely beholden. Because in that moment, in the moment of Beratius, in the experience of of uh, the episode with Adam and Chava, the snake did not have the appropriate gratitude for its role as being the wisest of all animals and sought more and sought to undermine Adam and Chava by exposing them to the fruit and convincing that the fruit was appropriate. And so the snake is punished by no longer having those legs being on the floor permanently. But there's another element to the snake and its punishment which is really, really significant. The snake is told after it's involved in this episode, that it is going to have its food everywhere, that the dust of the earth will literally be its food. It will be wherever it goes. And that sounds like a blessing and not a curse. If, you know, you don't have to walk all the way to the fridge, it seems like a great idea. And, you know, maybe we should all have that benefit. But no, 
there's a beautiful idea shared by many, many different achronim, that really what we're seeking, what we're seeking in life is connection. And like that old joke about the parents who moved down to Florida and every once in a while cancel the credit card just so they're able to get a call from their kid because, you know, then they'll call. There's the idea that if we have everything we want, if we have everything we need, if all the grass is growing already and it's already raining, so then we don't connect. We don't seek to find the source of all things. We don't pray we don't attempt to develop relationship. And it's only because of need. Maybe this is superficial. Maybe this is not the best way it could be. But it's ultimately need that brings us closer to our creator. And so the curse of the snake is expulsion, it, losing its, its, uh, its form, which allows it to stand. And the snake is going to wander the earth, expelled from being before God, never, ever, ever requiring to have any sort of connection. It has all of the food it needs, it's taken care of, and all of that because it did not appreciate its initial role. That is a very, very powerful idea, this snake and the snake's connection to Hakaras Hatov and gratitude. And that's probably what the Gemara means, that it turns into a snake unless you bowed by Modem. Modem is that experience that we have three times a day, when we have the opportunity to really reflect on gratitude, and in doing so, we bow. We bow when we feel a sense of incredible submission, because all of the incredible gifts and the things that we have been provided for, uh, with, by, by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's our exercise in modem, literally exercise, physical and mental, and that is what avoids the problem of the snake. It avoids the sense of distance. It allows us to reflect on our lives and what we have and appreciate what we were given. I hope over the next few weeks to share more insights into this prayer of Modem that I'm teaching in another context as well. I hope you enjoy. Have a great day.